Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Wednesday, April the 13th. This week we're discussing the future financing of global health as there is an important two-day meeting coming up later this week in Washington DC organised by the World Bank. And talking of the World Bank, in the podcast we're lucky enough to hear from leading global health finance expert Dr Tim Evans. Here he is introducing himself. Tim Evans, and I am the Senior Director of the Health Nutrition Population Global Practice at the World Bank Group based in Washington, D.C. Dr. Tim Evans, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. It's a very busy week for you over at the World Bank with your spring meeting. You have a two-day meeting specifically later in the week looking at the future of global health financing. Can you just very briefly just outline what the aims and objectives are of this meeting? The world has agreed through the SDGs on the need to achieve universal health coverage uh, by 2030. And uh, this meeting is really going to look at what the financing dimension of that looks like, and in particular, look at how to mobilize the requisite resources to achieve universal health coverage. Could you just refer back to the meeting last year in Addis Ababa, because that was coming up with a strategic framework, wasn't it, for financing of the SDGs? The Addis Agenda that was agreed um, last almost a year ago in, in July of 2015 really put a very strong focus on domestic resource mobilization. And this it was both a very strong public sector mobilization through uh, taxes and indirect taxes and um, 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 improved efficiency with respect to use of resources, as well as making sure that private sector sources were more systematically tapped uh, towards the objectives of the SDGs. In addition, it refocused development assistance as being a complement to domestic resource mobilization, as well as a catalyst. And so the, the, the strategy of development assistance must be not only to help finance, but help develop the financing domestically such that uh, as countries grow and transition in their eligibility for assistance, development assistance, they're more able to sustain their financing into the future. It may come back to that point briefly in a moment, but also to mention you are one of the authors of a comment published in The Lancet Wednesday, April the 13th, reviewing two papers from uh, Joseph Dieleman and colleagues at the Institute for Health Metrics uh, and Evaluation, Seattle, United States. Do you want to comment brief, just very briefly on these two papers? They're really providing evidence, aren't they, that we've kind of reached a, a financial crisis point in, in the future global health funding? Yes, I think the value of these papers is they help us to think ahead as to what uh, and whether or not we'll mobilize sufficient resources to reach the targets of the SDGs. And they're sobering analyses because they suggest we will fall well short if we assume that uh, resources grow over time at, at, at current trajectories. Therefore, what we really need to do is double down and look at how to mobilize more domestic and development assistance if we're serious about achieving our development objectives in, in health. 
Absolutely. And you touched on that a little earlier. I mean, let, let's talk about that a little bit more detail now, because you do talk about the need for this transformation, don't you, in the way that we're actually addressing strategically future uh, global health funding. And the private sector, uh, as you mentioned, has to be part of that and specifically using the private sector finance into public health funding, um, such as public health insurance schemes. Can you just give some examples of what you mean there? Yes. So one of the most important private sector expenditures on health to um, it, to, to rechannel is the, the money that comes out of every individual's pocket when they're ill that they use to pay for health care. Because this type of financing of health uh, out of pocket when you're ill or pay as you go is the most inefficient uh, and inequitable way of financing health system. We know that um, this is responsible for over 100 million people annually being pushed or kept in poverty. Uh, so this is a direct constraint to achieving the goals of the SDGs related to eliminating extreme poverty. However, what we think is that if you look at ways to channel those resources through prepayment forms of insurance, this is both more efficient and more equitable. All evidence in the world supports this type of management of financial resources to manage the equitable and efficient financing of healthcare. So we're looking at ways in which we can do that more systematically in countries. In addition, there are many different ways in which the private sector is actively engaged, not only in the provision of care, but in also in the provision of training in the generation of commodities such as pharmaceuticals or critical supplies. Those all represent important opportunities that governments need to tap much more systematically to make sure they're in line with strategies uh, to achieve universal health coverage. But again, returning to that earlier point, one of the biggest challenges, isn't it, is that the model up until now has been particularly since 2000 when we had the Millennium Development Goals, a lot of money going into international donor aid for, for health systems. But that, in some cases, has meant that individual country governments have not done enough to put their own money into their own health systems. And that's always the danger, isn't it, with it, with international aid, that it can somehow undermine the government's requirement to come up with appropriate funds for their own country's health system. I think you're pointing to an, a critically important issue. And I think the change that we're talking about in the context of a new era is where development assistance defines itself much more strategically and with accountability in terms of how it is a catalyst to the development of financing for health in recipient countries. One of the criteria for developing, uh, for assessing performance of development assistance should be the extent to which domestic resources are increasing as development assistance increases. Just a final thought on that. I mean, if this is going to work, and I think you say in the comments, universal health coverage, UHC, the road to it, it's daunting, but it, but it is achievable. That's going to require accountability. You've mentioned the word already, accountability, particularly at country level. How can we make sure that globally, with so many diverse health regions, health situations, different parts of the world, that, that countries are doing what they need to be doing. Accountability is part of what engenders trust in any health system. And so I think that you have to build on local demand, but also support the institutions that 
uh, are critical for uh, accountability. And this relates to basic institutions of governance that uh, manage procurement and financial management of resources. These end up being extremely important institutions in understanding the extent to which uh, resources are being used appropriately and can be fully accounted for. Do you remain optimistic that the path to UHC will be achieved via the Sustainable Development Goals to 2030? I'm very optimistic for a number of reasons. One is I think there's a massive change in the way development partners are looking at financing for health in the context of the SDGs, which is much more supportive of the development of domestic resource mobilization strategies uh, in recipient countries. Second is that within countries, we're seeing top-level leadership embrace the need for comprehensive, good quality, uh, financially affordable and accessible health systems that serve the entire population. And that is essentially the definition of universal health coverage. So I think with high-level political support, which is merging um, in, in lowest income, uh, low middle income and, and middle income countries, that um, there is a very exciting opportunity to, uh, together with development partners, to accelerate progress towards universal health coverage. Dr. Tim Evans on the line from the World Bank in Washington, D.C. I hope you have a really good meeting on Thursday and Friday. And thank you very much for your time talking to The Lancet. Thank you, Richard. All the best.